0: This podcast podcast episode is brought to you by you Used to Go to Church. You know, life can often be brutal, unjust, and fraught with emotional trauma. As a first responder chaplain for nearly 25 years, author Nick Felicities has experienced countless scenes of unbearable grief and pain. When asking the brokenhearted, do you have a faith to help you through? The response in some form is almost always, well, we used to go to church. Blending firsthand accounts of tragedy with opportunity for raw self-examination and reflection In his book, Used to Go to Church, Felicity delves into the realm of spirituality and belief amid loss and despair. For the spiritual but not religious who want to pursue God outside the walls of organized religion, used to go to church is an invitation to rethink faith and open up to a life centered on grace, mercy, and love. Now, whether you are religious, non-religious, Christian, or agnostic, churchgoer or church leaver, the person who is starting with page one of Used to Go to Church will not be the same person who finishes the last sentence. Available on Amazon in all formats, visit Nick's blog at usedtocgo2church.com. To Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is Not
1: Church with John and Nat Turney. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Nat. With me as always is my brother John, the now clean-cut version, the corporate version of John. Say, uh, I just cut off my beard, John. I just cut off my beard, John. You traitor! I can't even believe it. I'm so I'm so upset with you right now. But you know, I, I, I understand. You got to get ahead, man. But anyway, all of that to say that you are back with us. The the podcast that we call this is not church because if it was church, uh, you'd have left by now, and uh, you'd be right. <laughs> so we are honored today, man. This is a new thing for us, John. Yeah, it we really had, is. Um, yeah. I mean, I love the fact that we're getting to talk to. Um, different uh, all different kinds of people um, and we have not yet had film producers or writers on the show and that's what we have today so we've had lots of writers and um, all kinds of other uh, actually a lot a lot a lot a lot of authors but as far as uh, films go this is a new one for us so man I'm super excited uh, we have two people involved with the film Between Mercy and Me and I'll introduce them to you real quick we'll read a quick bio and then we're just going to run with the conversation see how it goes so with us is uh, Craig Lamar Brown Uh, He's a multi-talented film producer, writer, and director hailing from Detroit. He's the founder of Brown Brown Films, a production company dedicated to creating inspirational and artistically captivating stories. Craig's passion for storytelling began to take shape in his high school years. Then his versatility was showcased in David Leo Schultz's Ragamuffin trilogy, God's Fool, uh, where he produced and played the leading role. Today, Craig crafts from behind the camera, making his directorial debut film, Between Mercy and Me, an award-winning film. Craig currently resides in Cincinnati with his wife, Caitlin, and their five daughters, where they enjoy the outdoors, building community, and creating. And you get a twofer, we get another awesome guest, Andrea Sommer. She's a Cincinnati-based singer-songwriter, music producer, and actress. She is a passionate creative collaborator and mother of three. Beyond her personal music releases, she has co-created and performed in powerful live experiences such as The Awaited Show in in 2007 to 2019. In 2021, she co-wrote and starred in the film Between Mercy and Me. She also wrote and co-produced the original award-winning soundtracks and score. Between Mercy and Me is her first feature-length project. And with that stumbling through all of that, <laughs> I will say, welcome to the podcast, you guys. We're glad you're well here. Well done,
2: well done. Yeah, well
1: done. Well, you know, well. If you, if you, if you had a need of a narrator in your, uh, in your next project, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do all kinds of impersonations ranging from Matthew McConaughey to, um, uh, well, Matthew McConaughey, that's pretty much where it ends. So dynamic, so
0: dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> i I'm a range,
1: as they say, and as we say in the business, We'll have a range. So. <laughs> and we're glad you guys are here. Um, whoever wants to start, if you just kind of maybe walk us through the project and, uh, Tell us a little bit about I'm, I'm sure I didn't capture or come close to capturing everything in that quick bio, but tell us a little bit about, about yourselves. Man, geez, John, I'm just <laughs> I'm out of my mind. Eh, it's, the, <laughs> it's the cat behind me. He's freaking me out. <laughs> I'm
0: just
1: yeah, yeah. Um yeah.
3: The the reason we're here today is to talk about race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kidding. Um so we, so obviously we made a movie uh, called Between Mercy and Me, and uh, it's a story about two musicians. Um, it's told from the perspective of the uh, the male lead, uh, Hugo, um, black male, uh, is in the inner city and really wants uh, better for his community in the midst of uh, gentrification, and uh, just kind of feeling loss of like you know his calling and where is uh, uh, where is God type of uh, moment. And then he meets a girl. Uh, um, and, uh, the, the, the movie, um, it's made to, uh, one to help, help, uh, foster healthy conversations around race, uh, specifically in the church. Uh, it's something that, I mean, I, I'm not sure where you guys were, uh, in the midst of 2020 racial riots, lockdown, COVID, um, like social media was just like a, a hotbed for a lot of angry people and I thought the best way to contribute uh, positively to conversations around race was through um, a story about uh, two musicians um, who have their own uh, trials and from from the perspective of a black male and coupled with a lot of beautiful music Um, race, you know, talking about race uh, and, you know, uh, unification is a very, very difficult topic, especially if you're going to entertain people <laughs> with it. Right. Um, so uh, I, I wanted to make sure I did this with uh, a lot of creativity and a lot of music um, because, I mean, I, I think we're all creating God's image. and Those are ways we can experience a God and connect with one another. So I knew music had to be something that helped. Carry this conversation. So yeah, that's sort of what uh, brings us here today. Uh, yeah, to talk with you guys. Yeah, I love it,
1: Andrea. What do you? Have, what, what was? What's your contribution besides just being obviously the uh, the obvious uh, the awesome musical talent behind all of this?
2: <laughs> uh, well, Craig and I know each other through um, another production that we were both a part of, and then I got word that Craig was working on a movie, and Craig works in IT. Uh, and so I was like, Craig, Craig in IT, Craig, um, (laughs) he's doing a what now? You know, so I was surprised to hear, I was instantly intrigued and then just got to hear his vision behind it. And I, you know, I just think it's, I think it's so cool and so fascinating. You know, you can be inspired to take action in all sorts of ways, but for him, it was, I know I work in IT and I'm going to write and direct and create a film also full of original music. Like I'm just so fascinated by the fact that that was the way that inspiration led him. Um, so he brought me on board just to contribute to songwriting and things like that. And then series of events uh, ended up bringing me on to help write it, which was very cool. And uh, also act in it, which was terrifying (laughs) and wonderful. Uh, So I knew I could deliver because of my own experience as a singer-songwriter and music producer, I knew I could could confidently deliver a solid soundtrack. But I was so curious and interested in learning more about and contributing to and collaborating with uh, the actual script and just the creation of a film altogether and Acting as well, I was like, "Dude, I just put me in, coach. (laughs) I just (laughs) want to contribute to whatever you'll let me contribute to." Uh, And he did. It's just wide open. Just let me dive on in. Which is another thing that that was such a pleasant surprise because I know how hard it is when you when something is coming from the depths of you. It's so hard to share it. Right away, especially in such the early stages. It's one thing to see it to completion and then go, all right, I'm going to share it with the world. But he was just so invitational, so open handed with it, all while still maintaining like a really clear vision for what he wanted it to say and do for the people who watched it.
4: Yeah. Well, I just want to, I just want to uh, bring up one thing. It's kind of like I want to talk about the elephant in the room that this is a faith based movie. For me, growing up in the church that I grew up, that, those three words together meant it was a movie I wouldn't want to go see. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, I'm going go, yeah, to go see yeah. another, I, do we have to go see another Kirk Cameron movie? Is that what we're doing right now?
2: <laughs> right, right. Um,
4: so I like to, I, I like to start by saying you guys do it different. I, I don't feel like in any, in any time faith is being shoved down anybody's throat. I mean, obviously this is, you know, it's based around singing in a church, right? But that's not the story. And that's what I think is what, what makes it different is yes, these are people of faith, but there's a bigger story that's being told here. And obviously we're, we're trying to skirt around, right? We don't want to give away too much. We want people to go see the movie. But, uh, then I, I was talking with Nat before you guys popped on and I don't know if you guys have seen the movie, but it kept reminding me of the, the movie once. I don't know if you've seen the movie once. It's, that's what I felt like as we as I was watching this is like this, this, you get to watch this romance blossom through music and this connection. And just like that movie, there is a moment where things kind of go sideways, right? For a little bit. And that's what I liked about this is like, um, it's not all hunky dory through the whole thing, right? You know, you see this and then things kind of go sideways. And that's what I really liked about it. Was that, was, was that movie at all an inspiration to either one of you? Uh, As you're working on this, see Andrew's
2: reaction. Did you see my excitement. hundred <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. percent. <laughs> what once for me was such—I um, mean, talk about talk about a, a film that was seriously riding writing on the moments that music created. Just riding so much on that. I mean, I think their budget at the time was like $10,000. And the audio is crap. And (laughs) the the lighting is terrible. Like, (laughs) as far as production quality goes, it's terrible. And, but you don't care. Not because you don't notice it, but, but because the other elements of it, the performances... And just the dynamic between the two characters is so, um, so connective and so compelling that the, you, you don't, you lose focus on the quality and you're on, uh, on you know, the production quality and you're just sucked in. Uh, I remember seeing that movie and absolutely, it, it inspired, um, several of my <laughs> filmmaking friends at the time and honestly really sparked the first time I dove into writing songs for characters. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to create that opening scene with Glenn Hansard on the street where he's just beating the crap out of that guitar. And it's this slow dolly, slow push in, which I'm pretty sure was like an office chair and a camera, (laughs) like it was just everything they did was just like the most jimmy rigged thing. And and it didn't matter because yeah. the song and the moment that it created was enough. Uh, so 100%, you know, I couldn't, there couldn't <laughs> be a better compliment for me personally um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that it reminded you of, of, you know, what some of the things that once has to offer
3: Yeah, it's, it's cool that you kind of felt, element. Oh, I mean, as that's, that's one of my favorite movies, and obviously a lot of inspiration was pulled from it. And I was so glad to know that Andrea saw it and is heavily inspired by it too. But I think what happened when that movie was made uh was like it just got rid of a lot of the bullshit. Like, dang. But for like, yeah, so for storytelling in general, is like I I think the world was kind of uh caught off guard by like Oh wow! Like this isn't flaky. This isn't cheese. While they're not singing and dancing or on tables, and nothing makes sense. It was just like a raw story about two musicians who are going have different lives that they're trying to navigate. And I've and I feel like that's kind of was kind of like the state of the church, like at that moment and i'm like man like the best way is as much as i'm inspired by the movie like i bet i thought the best way to tell a story was to do it through two musicians and build some romance around it and just try try to at least give like um a picture of what like harmony could look like when we listen when we humble ourselves when we um When we are honest. So like hearing that from from you, Sans, like you didn't feel like it was like, you know, the everyday cheesy Christian movie like that. That's like the biggest compliment Andrea and I can get because we've we've seen all of those, right? And they're just, some of them are somehow inspirational (laughs) to a lot of people. (laughs) So, So some people draw inspiration from it, are encouraged by it, but it's like, I... It's like, I, I can't I can't tell that kind of story. Like, I grew up in the inner city of Detroit. Like, I've had friends who were killed. I've I've lost cousins to gun violence. And like, so like my story would not mimic like uh, a Christian Kirk Cameron movie, even though like they do a lot of good for a lot of people, it just like that wouldn't be what I could bring forth. And if I try to do that, it would suck because it's not honest. So we really wanted to create something that was one, like, visually appealing, um, but, um, like, we we wanted the story to connect and be raw and honest, and with uh, a lot of, of course, uh, wonderful music with it too. Um, and because the conversation is just about, about race and the state of, like, the church and race is, like, the conversation is just really hard. And for me to make a movie that's just like, oh, let's link arms together in love and, you know, seeing kumbaya
1: is like, that's just definitely <laughs> it. not
2: going to do it, yeah. Right.
1: Well, we've had, we've had enough of that. I mean, that's a, one thing that you mentioned when you talk about other kinds of faith-based films, you know, I don't critique those because the production quality is not good or the, cause you just, the, the case you just made for once is, com- is a compelling one. Mm. The story, if it's real, the story, if it's if it's compelling enough, can pull you outside of those other things that might otherwise distract. My issue with a lot of those films is, to me, they're just propaganda. They don't tell, a lot of times, genuine stories. They're very much more focused on the message and the story as a vehicle to get the message out when I think stories, good stories will, will stand on their own. So I don't know. That, that's, that's what John has mentioned since I have admittedly not seen the film. So.
4: (laughs) Well, and, and the other issue with it is if you're, if you're not white, white, cisgender, straight male, those films don't make much sense to you because that's who they're, that's who they're preaching to. That's who they're, that's That's who they're, that's the propaganda is being pushed towards those people to make them feel better about who they are. And everybody else, uh, is kind of left on the side going, well, what about me? What about my story? My story doesn't fit in there. Uh, it, 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 never will. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. I've never, I've never had that experience. I've never lived that experience. And what you're, what you're bringing, and again, it, it's kind of hard because, you know, there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't want to give away a lot. And within the, uh, this idea of, you know, race within the church. So for me, so I stepped out of the church. I stopped uh, attending any church, uh, right, actually right before COVID. So, and some of the reasons I left the church I was in is because, um, we couldn't, we couldn't have an honest conversation about race. We couldn't have an honest conversation about the LGBTQIA plus community. We just couldn't have these conversations. And I was like, if we're not willing to have these conversations, what are we doing here? You know? And so then, you know, I step away and then we have, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey, we have George Floyd, we have, you know, and it just starts going and going and going, right? And I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking at my friends in the churches that I was formerly in and it's, it's just flat out ignored. Like in, th- in their little bubble, we're going to pretend like that didn't happen. And I, I just couldn't do that anymore. I just can't. I just can't sit beside... I can't sit on the sidelines and say, this bullshit needs to stop. You know, know, I I mean, I remember putting a post up. It's like, people, your black siblings are tired. They're exhausted from having to day in, day out, worry about themselves and their children as soon as they walk outside of their door. Or, hell, not even that, be asleep in their bed, right? They're exhausted, and I got like crickets. None of my friends, none of my white friends, had anything to say about that. And it's like, wh- when is enough enough for people? I mean, enough enough for, enough. It was enough for me, at, like right before COVID, right? And I was like, I'm not going to not speak out anymore. I'm, this has to be talked about. And uh, so I, it's interesting the way you the way you do it too. I I I don't again. I'm trying to like I'm trying to like work without giving away stuff.
1: Um, No spoilers, Sean, no spoilers. Yeah,
4: so I guess the question in that would be, how far did you want to push it, right? Because if you push it too far, you're going to alienate people. But sometimes you have to push it far and alienate the right people, right? Does that Mm, make sense? Or at least
1: least risk it.
3: Right, or risk it. There were many sleepless nights of like, how do we as a screenwriter is communicate this in a way that is digestible. <laughs> uh, because like you said, I mean, that conversation um, it, with, with all of the things that were going on that we could, we saw videos of what happened to uh, George Floyd and Maude um, Arbery. And there were still people in the church that said, well, like I, and, and, and I." You know, of course, angered a lot of black people, and it was heartbreaking. And, and to hear my brothers and sisters in Christ just say, "Well, like that—that's not the answer." So, in my, uh, how could I, I feel like I had two tones for the film. I had Malcolm X and I had Martin Luther King, and my Malcolm X tone—I <laughs> just wanted everyone to feel it's like, "Oh, people are going to know how black people feel." this we're gonna have this conversation but that just doesn't happen and where andrea was super helpful um i think she was she was definitely really challenging and pushing like hey we need to be as raw as possible but then there was times where i i wanted to be more of a martin luther king and i, I don't want to offend alarm anyone because i still want people to see the movie so it was kind of like all right how do i do this how do we do this? <laughs> and it's still um again, it's it still receive and it still challenges people. It was a balance in the act. Um and I think we did it. I hope we did it. We'll we'll see uh on June twentieth <laughs> when I, I read the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. But um but yeah, like it was, um it was definitely a balance in the act and um and I, I'll let Andrea speak to her um experience from her from her side.
2: It was such a and just to witness Craig juggling so many uh, perspectives, like, he, like he said, he had his, he has a world of experiences and he could just go hard on that, you know, and talking about those things. But if the point is to facilitate or lead by example and having healthy conversations, uh, then he can't stay there, you know. So he, he just over and over again, he just kept saying, like, there, There can't, there isn't one good guy and there isn't one bad guy. Like it's not, there's not an obvious enemy. You know, it's not like, hopefully, yes, people see themselves, but they don't see themselves being attacked or they don't see themselves, you know, being condemned. And there are plenty of times, you know, because Craig is a nice guy. He's just a really nice guy, you guys. So I'm sure so much of those, those, those anger, that anger is just on the inside. I haven't seen a whole lot of it. So, you know, I'm poking and prodding some of the times, like, say it, Craig, just say it. <laughs> like, I had put it in there, man. I was like, how many words like, are we allowed to use before we have to change our man? Like, just put it in there. You know, but not only oh. considering the audience, but he's also have to consider like the investors. Yeah, for sure. You know, which is like another layer of complication. You know, like did we show two? Did we show people drinking alcohol too many times? Like it's so fascinating. You know, just the things you have to consider. I remember uh, a long time ago um, doing like a radio show, and I was putting some songs out, and I was on a Christian radio station, and he complimented the song. He said it's different than what we usually play. There's not a lot of JPMs. I was like, what is the JPM? He said, Jesus per minutes. Like, <laughs> oh, it hurts my soul that there is a term like that. It hurts me. It hurts me. Uh, Wait, you know, what
3: was it? Jesus,
1: Jesus what?
2: Jesus per minutes. <laughs> So, like, my songs didn't have a lot of JPM. Like,
1: like, like you didn't say Jesus enough.
2: Yeah, oh like, you didn't say God Jesus every 20 God. seconds. Per
3: minutes? Oh, my
2: God. Oh, so I was like, it hurt my soul that there is a term for that. And, but at the same time, I'm a little bit proud I didn't hit that mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
4: it's, it's funny that you should say that, uh, you know, like, you were worried, like, okay, do we, we show drinking alcohol too much? Because I actually noticed, I was like, oh. They're having a glass of something, right? I'm like, cool. That already like literally separated you from every other faith faith based movie I've ever seen, right?
1: Well, cause were because were they having a glass of something and not like just trying to provide a caricature of a fall down drunk,
3: right? No, it was
1: just if there's yeah. drinking in Christian films, it's because one of the characters is yeah. struggling with alcohol. <laughs> it's a problem, right? It's not just that they're having a, you know a nice yeah. a nice glass of bourbon with their dinner.
2: <laughs> it's the drunk uncle. It's the drunk uncle. <laughs>
1: Always my favorite uncle. <laughs>
2: it's
3: like, uh, and, and, and I'm glad you uh, mentioned that, John. It's like, it, w- it was just like one of those little things. I'm like, I probably shouldn't put this in here. Like, the investors didn't like it, but like, I'm like, I I just wanted to break another wall of someone, uh, some, let's say a white 65 year old Republican male who likes to have bourbon before bed. It's like, I just wanted to take away another wall of, you know, of Christian films, just to connect. You know, and as something as simple as, it, and, and again, there was nothing else around it. Was just people having a drink. You know, and um, and and also like the film itself. Like, ultimately, I want anybody of any race to be able to uh, connect with, them, with the movie. You don't have to be, um, you know, black or white, uh, but also like Christian. I, I wanted wanted it to be accessible. By anyone, because a conversation is that important, right? Or I wanted to frame it as a movie about uh two people who are on a journey to help bring, you know, uh reconciliation to their town. They just happen to be Christians. That was my whole book. But yeah, it's just like even <laughs> like and, and and again, we I was very aware of it that like I I watch a lot of Christian films just to kind of get an idea of like what can I get away with? What works? Uh, are we, are we also hitting the marks of, you know, where Christians will want to come see this movie? Is it a turnoff? You know? So, and yeah, it's, that was a balancing act too, <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 glad John, that that was like a, like a wall that came down for you. Uh, and it, so that's cool. Yeah. And it's, it's
4: not like it was like it, broke my uh, connection to the movie. It was just one of those like, okay, here's, here's just another, another point that says, okay, this isn't the typical, I'm going to use Christian because faith-based movies, when we talk about them, we're talking about Christian movies. We're, I mean, no one, no one's talking about, oh, did you go see that Muslim movie the other day? That faith-based movie? I mean, it's, we're talking. Yeah, Christian. they just monopolize the right, faith-based. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was just another moment of like, okay, it's, this is different. So, it, it kind of, yeah, it, it took down another level of, I don't really want to watch this, right? Uh, because, and I think if anyone who's listening to this and, and gets a chance to go see the movie, I think they should, and, and see as these walls kind of fall down of what you expect from a typical, like, okay, in quotes, faith-based movie. <laughs> I think, I think there's going to be many moments where you're like, okay, this, this isn't what they normally
1: do. This isn't how they normally do it. Well, even, even just profanity will be would be enough for some people, right?
2: Well there there isn't
1: any. Oh, there isn't any? Oh then never mind. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just
2: kidding. <laughs> no, Andrew, okay.
1: no, a- a-
3: Andrew tried to slide a couple of things in there. I'm like Andrea. Okay. We're trying to keep it PG, not
4: PG thirteen.
2: <laughs> I get it. I get but, it. Hey
4: you bump up to PG thirteen you get one
1: F bomb Is that right? Is that the verbal?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, son of a gun! I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for the end.
2: Mother, no, I was kidding.
1: (laughs) You should have. You should release an uncut version. Yeah, director's cut. It's,
3: It's like I just we. Baby steps, right? We just need yeah, this movie for sure. enough, and then we could just say, "All right, this is how it is now. We're gonna right. it right. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it's all good." You know, and we cuss and drink. What? <laughs> that's
0: right.
1: yeah. What do you have to say about that?
4: Here's the, I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out for a moment, and, and this is gonna this is all gonna make sense in a second. So I love Star Trek. Star Trek's one of my favorite. Oh no, what do you want to call it? From the beginning, from the from the first series through the stuff that's on the Paramount Network right now. All Girl, you it. are a nerd. And I think it was Star Trek Discovery where they dropped their first F bomb. And I think you're right. I I think you're right. Because as they moved forward, they got a little bit more edgy, right? Things got changed. They added a little bit here, a little bit here, and they kind of, they kind of pushed us or they, I'm not saying push, that's the wrong word. They kind of led us to this moment. And instead of it like going, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. You're like, it finally happened. (laughs) <laughs> I finally did it. So I, 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 agree with you, Craig, that, yeah, I think if you were to push too hard, you would lose, you would lose some audience, uh, who are like, um, well, okay, you went too far. That being said, I just, dis- I disagree with that. I, I, want, I want, I want to know that. I mean, you know, we all in our everyday lives, we use language that we just don't, you know, we don't see it on movies, especially again, in quotes, faith-based movies. We don't hear the language in the, in the way we talk, right? On a regular basis. But I, I understand where you're coming from. If you want to do something else and you want to move into a little bit more, say, edgy, right, you're going to have to, like, kind of lead people along into that.
1: Well, I I think I understand what you're saying, Tim. The subject matter is a little edgy. We don't want to unnecessarily alienate people, right, by giving them another excuse to not watch it. So now it's also, well, you've done this. Now you've missed the message entirely, which should be focused on these characters who are overcoming issues of race and their relationship. So I, I no, I I was just being goofy. I wasn't really being. Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to have a potty mouth, and so I like to see people on you know on the screen that you know that, that that cuss like sailors and you know. So so let me ask you then. So let's 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 explore the issue of race a little bit. In my experience in the church, and I've been in the church all my life and up until recently, race has been it's weird, man. Like it's a we have a tortured relationship in the church with this subject because it, it, you either. Have a really Pollyanna view of it, which is we don't see color, like right? we're all colorblind because Jesus loves us, right? Or you don't want to talk about it at all. And then, like John said, the, the reactions to things that are just in your face and should be undeniable are still met with equivocation or, or minute or people minimize the experience of people just because they don't have that experience. They go, well, it doesn't happen in my neighborhood. So therefore it doesn't happen. Every- is that kind of your experience as well? Yeah,
3: I, I mean, yeah. Like, I I think the biggest thing has been, um, like, especially since social media uh, is politics. You know, um, like the fact that like you had to choose a side, like left versus right, in the case of George Floyd. Like that said everything I needed here is like about politics like it was just so divisive it was like man like we clear the world clearly saw what happened and the countless other cases where it's like guys like we we know we we have all the facts somehow it gets politicized and, and i think that's where you know news media is just very dangerous um because everyone has an agenda, right? Uh, I'm not trying to get too political, but like, it, it just is what it is. Like, we know, matter matter what, left or right, like there's an agenda. And there's money behind that agenda. I'm curious about, I
1: mean, our experience is not going to be the same. So I grew up attending mostly uh, white churches. And not that they were purposefully that way, but that's just the way they were. And so we had the luxury, being white middle-class folks, to say, well, that's happened someplace else. And so we can sort of paint ourselves as the good guys. We would never, but at the same time, that, that ignores the experiences of millions of people in this country who, who for whom that's not their experience. So my my, it's my curiosity is if you, the kinds of churches you, you grew up in, or assuming, again, now I'm now assuming that you were raised in church, but if you were, maybe that was a different, maybe you had a different experience. Maybe that was a little bit more out in the open and talked about.
3: Yeah. So like the churches I grew up in were predominantly black. I, I grew up in Detroit, uh, very much, uh, Holy spirit, spirit filled Baptist churches. Um, like, I, like I've, like i lived at every affiliation at this point, uh, Baptist, Pentecostal. <laughs> uh, and so therefore is like, I mean, everyone that I was surrounded with was black, but in my, uh, college, my high school college years, I got saved when I was 17 and, I started interacting more with people who didn't look like me at that age. Because so growing up, it was just kind of like it's a thing we do. We just you know go to church, we do the thing, right? Um, but um, when I was seventeen, I started interacting with other people who didn't look like me. Um, so I have all of my childhood growing up in the black church and black community to my adulthood, where I get to see you know. People who are white and understand their background as well, um, which was very helpful when it comes to writing a movie about race. (laughs) So growing up in the church, I wasn't as uh, I I feel it was more of a like, hey, like we need to protect our community, uh, be cautious of white people. And I feel like that was damaging sometimes because that's not truth. Right. And so that's where, you know, the story is on both sides. However, like, you know, there's very much different reasons why (laughs) uh, someone may feel another way about about other ways race. But um,
2: yeah, I think uh, character development had such a big role in displaying a variety of backgrounds and opinions and approaches, but not singling one person out as like, that's the bad guy, that's the good guy. And, you know, so even thinking that Craig is a writer, being able to kind of funnel different aspects of his own experiences or interactions or, um, or hurt or hope into different characters and their dialogue, you know, but at the same time, you get a little bit of insight into all of those people at one point or another. I'm like, maybe how they got there. So I think it really does, um, you know, kind of just promote empathy because, you know, even maybe the, even maybe the guy you want, you really want to hate. You're like, Oh, okay. Now I know maybe a little bit a little bit about what maybe got him to that point you know i I hear a l- I get a little bit of an insight into his backstory uh and I think that's such a empathy is such a huge missing piece in in the conversation uh and you know Craig and I early on had conversations. Because I certainly didn't like think, wow, I'm so um, qualified to write a movie about race um, with a black man. You know, like I that was, (laughs) I felt like, hey, I can take your vision and turn them into songs, Um, but I want to contribute to the script and I want to contribute to these characters, but I I have to just be transparent from the get-go that like I'm nervous about what you might see in me. <laughs> I'm nervous about what I might learn about me. And that would cause me to hold back. That would cause me to just not bring my full self to the table. And I didn't want that. And that would be such an exhausting and ineffective way to go about collaborating. So just telling them like, hey, from from the start just full permission to call it like it is. Tell me, educate, you know, like tell me, call it out. If, I, if I'm if i doing something or if I say something or suggest something um, and you recognize it as not good and you recognize it as ignorant and you recognize it as not helpful, please tell me. Um, and I'm you, know, the, you giving you that permission now so that I can just proceed, I guess, with fumbling caution.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it was, like, so helpful when you did that, though. Like, I feel like we got a lot more accomplished. Uh, I feel like things are a lot more creative and well-balanced when you say, hey, here's what it is, and like you had a level of empathy. And I feel like that was just all... I mean, that was just the goal of the film, like, to help white people empathize and to help Black people Uh, understand that not all white people are evil, (laughs) that not all uh, white people are racist. Um, And that that was just kind of the goal. And it's very simple, but it's so hard, you know, to get, you know, I mean, there is years and years of history that, uh, you know, we are still unraveling and you know I I was talking with someone recently like I my grandmother uh grew up in Mississippi and like the story she told me like you know growing up in Mississippi is like I can't I think I get it bad every now and then when I'm followed in the store is like <laughs> grandma like, <laughs> like how like how did you go through this and still like love people well? And yeah, so there is like so much history that, I mean, it's like we think it's so far removed from us, but it's like, I mean, like I only lost my grandmother a few years ago, you know, and to hear the pain that, you know, she went through and her family and it's like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. As I stepped out into
4: what I would say, a journey towards allyship, right? And it's one of those words, it's, 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 it's a, it's a hard word for me to use because I don't, I, it's not a word I would ever put on myself. I, I would never call myself, and I've said this on other podcasts, I, I would never call myself an ally. I'm, I'm hoping to work towards that. Um, and that's that's my journey, is to, that I can, at some point, that's what I'm recognized as. But one of the things that I had to do, was well, a few things I had to do. One was to stop being embarrassed that I didn't have all the answers, and I did have to ask some stupid questions. Two was not to expect any, any one of my black friends to be the encyclopedia for all black experience. That sometimes I'm going to have to go out and learn this on my own. And there's ways to do that, right? I mean, we live in a, we live in a, the computer age. There's a lot of resources out there to help you become and, and work towards that allyship. And three was to realize that even though I don't think I'm racist, I have a lot of bias. There's still a lot of bias built in me because of my past and what was taught to me and what was what was you know preloaded into this brain on what to ex- what to expect when I see certain people, and to understand that that's not always true. As a matter of fact, it's more than likely not true more often than it is. And so that was that's the steps I had to take. And I was wondering if you guys could talk both of you on how you how you both addressed. These uh, underlying bias that each one of the characters would have, specifically Andrea, with you know, um, you would have the character would have these underlying bias about you know about people of color, about a black person. Um, maybe maybe not overtly, but there is some subconscious things that were taught over you know over time. You know, it's something as simple as the black. Black history or Black history or Black experience is just not taught in school, right? So you come at it sometimes with a little bit of ignorance because of the way our our schooling is, right? So was there was that even talked about, or was that something you guys addressed as you worked? There's a certain scene I want to talk about, but I don't want to talk about, and I think you probably know which one I'm talking about. Um, that I think really culminates with this, right? With this with this idea that you both, but both the characters, not not you, Craig, but the the Hugo. And uh I'm sorry, Andrew. I forgot your character's name mercy mercy, mercy, duh <laughs> oh my God <laughs> that's so embarrassing, but did you talk about how that one scene was gonna be done with when it has when it comes to like the bias that are brought to the table or the understanding or the way you would feel in those kinds of situations? Does that make sense without me going like too deep into it?
2: Yeah, I think so. There was a couple scenes that Craig in particular took really, really seriously, yeah you know, some of them some of some of the scenes it was like yeah that that accomplishes what we want to accomplish or, yeah, that's nice, or yeah, that's good, uh, but there were a few scenes that you could see he wouldn't even watch the monitor, he would just listen really intently on his headphones because of how much tone mattered and inflection mattered, so not just like what was said, but how it was said, you know makes such a difference. And so I always, I could always tell when, when not just in writing the script, I knew what scenes were particularly important in regards to the dialogue, but also just how he captured it and how he wanted to capture it. And I think the scene you're talking about <laughs> is, is one of those scenes that he wanted to get it just right and not right as in correctness, but as in that honesty. That again... How can we get two characters and two people to be as raw as possible, yet still, there's not a good guy, bad guy. You just understand each person a little bit more. And uh, for me, I just wanted to, you know, like I had, I had worked on the script. And so, you know, and and I knew the scene was really important. And so I knew that Craig was going to, I knew that the words were going to be right. You know, because we'd worked on it and, and I wanted to, it was almost more intimidating to bring the emotion to it because I wanted, I wanted to be as raw as it should be. I didn't want to get uncomfortable in the moment and then like hold back a little bit or play nice a little bit or, um, or fake it a little bit. That's the thing I was really concerned about. Like, what if I in the moment become so uncomfortable that just out of like, just to cope with it, I start faking it a little bit. Uh, and I really didn't want that. So a lot of the work w- for me was just, um, putting the story first in my performance second, you know, like just, Kind of putting to the back burner, like, how am I doing? How is this going? Did I do that right? Is this good? (laughs) You know, like just that, just put that away and show up emotionally and then just be workable, you know, just be flexible, just be coachable so that I was bringing everything and anything to the table and then um you know, then the team could guide or the team could nudge or coach, and working with david um who plays hugo um we we tried to just really create uh safe places for each other you know he he has more experience acting than I do, and so I was a little bit intimidated to ask him acting questions. Because I thought, you know, I don't know him super well. Is he going to be annoyed or like, uh, you know,
0: amateur, you know,
2: like I didn't know. Um, But I asked him questions and he was just so humble about it. You know, he just, he, he shared with me what he knew. And then when it came to, I ended up doing um, a fair amount of vocal coaching with him and again that could have been something that he just said no thanks i don't need it i'm good um but instead was super teachable and so humble and a lot of those kind of co-writing sessions and preparation for the movie just really led to just led to honest conversation uh with each other and that was part of the process of creating safety for each other and some of those conversations that we had you know those nights made it into the script because they were such an impactful moment for either him or me. So creating a safe space for each other on screen and off screen, I think was was essential for allowing the other person do, to be raw and be real without being combative
1: ever. No, I love that. And I, and I love the idea that, that, that you, you, you've brought up a couple of times now that, that we're not trying to create you know, this dichotomy of good guy, bad guy, you know, cause I think that, I think that gets less than helpful when we start thinking about very complex issues. And then it's easy to, to, it's easy to kind of retreat behind these lines of like, well, obviously you're wrong and we're, they're right. And this person's so, and I, and I, and I find a lot of times in, 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 in books and in films, the books and films that I find the most interesting are the ones where those lines are very blurred. Like there's not a clear cut good guy. You know, if you can get me to empathize with a bad guy.
2: Yes. Oh man,
1: like, yeah. okay, you've, you've done something like, especially if you can take me on sort of a story arc and go, this guy at first you hate. And then, you know, through the course of the, of, of the movie or, or the book or whatever, you can start to reveal parts of his humanity and you can start to show me, okay, there's more to this guy than just, you know, this caricature we've created. To me, that's emblematic of what we should be doing in our day-to-day lives anyway help us get out of that rut of you know one side's right one side's wrong this guy's good this guy, yeah I just so I think I applaud you for that for going into it, that mindset I think that's awesome
2: and my character I'd say is more um she's more naive than me but she's not more ignorant than me <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But naive, yes. like the the naive, you know, led her to be more outgoing and adventurous in in conversation. Like she she was more aggressively out there um, because she didn't know what she was gonna risk. She didn't know what she was risking. She didn't know what was at stake, really. Uh, and that was kind of the other piece is the ways that I might hold back because I'm like, oh that might I might be saying that wrong or oh that might hurt someone's feelings or oh I feel ashamed that I don't really know the answer to that. You know, those things would would hang me up a little bit. But my character was just like I don't know what I don't know.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's <laughs> be <laughs> friends. You know?
0: <laughs>
1: what could go wrong? <laughs>
2: um, you know, so again, she just like she just put it all out there. She just um she was wrong.
1: Having, having not seen the movie, I, I, I'm, at a dis, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage. But in my mind, what it seems like is then that naivete going into a relationship would say, well, I don't I don't see where the pitfalls might be, because for me, it's as simple as I like this person. This person likes me. What's the issue? But I would imagine that your love interest says, yeah, but this is my world that I understand much better than you. And I can see what's probably coming and be a little more weary. Or wary is probably the, the better word, or more wary of the of the. So that makes So am I am I getting close?
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: I've seen the movie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really I'm just teasing. but well, uh, but I
2: heard the songs now. No, and
1: I haven't. I haven't, and I really really want to. Uh, wasn't for lack of trying. So I'm gonna get with your with with y'all team and uh, mm-hmm. see if I can get that. So that, again, naive, not being a critique, right? Just being descriptive. Like she's just wide eyed and like, hey. Like, why shouldn't this be okay? Why wouldn't this work? You know, she's. uh, So I like that. I like the. I like the contrast of those two characters. Maybe one being a little bit more streetwise, worldwise, whatever you want to call it, and the other just kind of going, "Let's be friends." What's the problem?
4: (laughs) I'm going to describe. I've described the situation about myself before with another guest. I want to. I want to throw this out at you, Craig, and tell me, would you do this? I'm 16 or 17 years old. I'm leaving youth group. Our youth leader asked me to go to the store and get some stuff to make something. I don't know, pizza something. And uh, everybody wants to go with me because I have this old truck and everyone can climb in it. So I got five people in the bed. I got five people in the cab. This is back when if you were over 18, you could actually still drive in the back of a bed of a truck. But they weren't. Nobody in the back of my truck was over 18. <laughs> So I drive to the local supermarket. We get what we need, and we drive out of the supermarket. And I'm driving up the road back towards the church. It's it's like eight or nine o'clock at night. It's dark. I forgot to turn my headlights on. I get up to an intersection. It's turning yellow, so I speed up to go through the yellow light. And this is an old, beat up truck, so it starts blowing smoke out of the exhaust. And I get a siren and lights. You know the whoop, and I'm like, I'm getting pulled over. I am getting pulled over. So I roll over and I look down. I'm not wearing a seatbelt. So here's my decision as a 17-year-old kid. If I get out of my car really quick, I can explain why I'm not wearing a seatbelt. So I got out. They started walking towards the cop. I have never seen a cop go behind a door or car so fast in my life. I've never had or will again have a gun pulled on me. And yelled at, right, to get back in my car and just sit down. I can do that, or I could I got away with that because of my privilege. You as a black man, at any age, would you do that? Absolutely not. That's that's the point. I wish I figured that out when I was seventeen years old, that I had a privilege that allowed me to get away with that stupidity. I really do. It took I was fifty years old to realize the privilege that I had at that moment, and now looking <laughs> back that and realizing how stupid I was. First of all, that's just stupid. No, no one, nobody <laughs> do that ever. As you're listening, <laughs> body, right? That's the dumbest, yeah. <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Probably, well, pretty, pretty high up there. But I got away with it because of the way I looked and the way I looked then. Right? A very, you know. I didn't have long hair at the time. I, I don't now, but I mean, I went through these stages of having long hair. Um, but I was, you know, the, the clean cut white boy. Now, did I get in trouble? Absolutely. Did I get a ticket? Absolutely. Did I have to go to court over that ticket? Yes, I did. Did I get away with it all? Pretty much. Yeah. Didn't get dead. I didn't get dead. And it's the story I use now a lot of times, to like explain to people the difference. Because we have story after story of a black man or a black boy walking away, trying to de escalate the situation and getting shot in the back because he is perceived as a threat, as he's walking away. I don't I don't know how I don't know how you how you explain that to people and make them understand. Or do we even do we even try?
3: Um, I think uh the thing about a situation like that, um, being you know pulled over as a black mother, so there's always, no, I'll say this, most cops are good guys who are doing a job. Uh, most cops are. However, there's unwritten rules that I need to follow at all times if I want to make a home to my five children. right? And it's just by default. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a dick when I get pulled over or anything. Or, but I am. Um, I ask if I can go for my wallet. I ask if I can make any movement before doing so. And all, and, and the altercations are always just yeah okay yeah sure no problem. That's my, most of my experiences. And, and and I think that's what you know in in 2020 what was trying to. And I think what happened in 2020, or like we, we watch, we're sitting, at home, cause we have no choice. We're sitting at home, we're watching all of, you know, the police writings, the, sh- the shootings, yada, yada. And like, you know, of course, there's all of that, you know, anger from the black community. And when it comes forth, it's just nothing but anger and hurt, uh, especially in, in the church that our white bro- brothers and sisters. Uh, not law can say, uh, well, and I think that was probably the most hurtful, um, in that time is, is because, like, when, when someone just says, Well, uh, that says a lot more than this person should obey these rules because they should, that says, like, I don't care about your life, and that's what is felt from the black community when people go, Well, it's like, Oh, wow, that's. Hateful, you know, so and 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 that's what what the that was the goal of the movie is to kind of show it from Hugo's perspective. Someone who's a good guy who is uh what's the uh word uh think I've heard this the last few years, uh N T B non threatening black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's a worship leader at his church. Uh he sings. Um, he takes care of his community, and we you see all of this in the trailer. But like you know, is he still can be viewed uh, as a threat, which you actually hear uh, in the trailer too. So I'm not, I'm not all no this there. I think we can all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a hope. Is it? It's just perspective. Sometimes I have a white. My best friend is white. Um, I grew up in the suburbs Um, great guy super loving his family loved me like I was one of their own he didn't really get racism until he was with me and he saw me go through it and then what that ends up being is someone who empathizes like oh wow I actually I witnessed this with my own eyes I had this experience with this with a black person who went through this scenario, and I feel like if you can't say that as a white person, it's it's really hard to empathize. But if you also if you can't say that as a white person, I feel like it should just stop there, right? <laughs> like, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying, I'm not saying that to be like you know a dick or hurtful, but I, no, no matter who you are and what and like I have, I can't give. Um, Advice to someone who is struggling to have kids. I look at my wife and she, she gets pregnant. <laughs> I <Like,
1: laughs> <laughs> like, have five kids
3: without even trying. Like it's so. For me to give advice like to someone who's infertile like so. It's it's kind of that same um, situation with uh, you know black people and racism and quite right. So that was the hope of the movie, um, and I think. I think we did a great job of, um, you know, presenting that. And I really hope that, you know, listeners, uh, will one, go watch it, be entertained with all of the great music. The soundtrack is beautiful. It's amazing. Um, and the story is, uh, amazing too. And it's challenging. And yeah, that's, that's my hope for, you know, people who watch the movie that they will walk away and that they will, uh, you know, be encouraged to have more positive conversations about race. I I would uh, I would back everything up
4: that you said. I mean it's I would tell people who are listening that this isn't your typical faith-based movie. You need to go see it. It's it's posing some really good questions that you need to ask yourself. Um specifically for us in the white community, you know, um are we willing to get uncomfortable? Are we willing to acknowledge that we don't understand what people of color are going through? What, what people in the BIPOC community are going through when it comes to their day to day existence. And yeah, to be okay with saying, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a little ignorant here and I, and I need, I need to, I need to learn more. And I think you guys do that in a very meaningful way. I think it's done very, like you said, with the music, it's beautiful. Uh, the music, the soundtrack is great. I loved it. I, all of it. So I I think you accomplished what you were, what you're, what you're trying to get. And I applaud that, and I hope everyone goes and sees it. I really do.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, will this get a uh, fairly wide release, or are we? Is it going to be opening in some select theaters as indie films sometimes sometimes do? Or it's, it's in 650 theaters across okay. the nation.
3: Um, so um, most likely, if you go to the website and you live, especially if you live in a metropolitan area, you'll be you'll find a theater near you. Awesome. Um, okay. Is, is something we're really excited about. Um, uh, we, we we wait. Is, I think it's been how, how long now, Andrea? Since we stopped filming. We stopped years?
2: filming. Um, let's see, September twenty
3: twenty one. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's been a while since uh, you know we we we've we been sitting on it. In but yeah, uh, I. Yeah, if you go to Between, I'll plug here. Is that okay? Please do. Plug away, man. <laughs> yeah. Betweenmercyandme.com is a website there. You can find uh, tickets. You can be directed to tickets and uh, just search your location. And you can also uh, be up to date on uh, releases from the soundtrack, uh, which, again, is amazing. Uh, definitely. Uh, I can say that because I didn't write any music. Andrew, did. So yeah. I can shout out to the house. My music is so amazing, Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, <laughs> um yeah, so yeah between mercy dot com Instagram between Mercy and me and yeah follow follow the socials and uh but yeah, June 20th is' one day in theaters, and I highly recommend that this is a movie that you take you watch it with a group of people, um I think it'll definitely be a more fun experience in that way. I'm
1: I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to, pro- to help promote it. I think you guys are doing something that's unique and interesting, and I think, frankly, very very much needed, especially in the within the niche of of Christian movies. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us and enduring all of our technical glitches and <laughs> all the stuff that we put you through. But man, thank you very very much. John, any parting shots before we uh, we wrap it up? No, I I, I think I've said enough today. <laughs> Have you? Have you? <laughs>
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you have almost hit your word limit. You are right. I, right. I think I have, yeah. I do yeah. have the counter, so I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Again, uh between mercyandme dot com, right? Check it out. Get your tickets early, take some friends with you, go check it out. Start start some conversations in your in your local churches. There's nothing but good things that happen as a result of us talking to one another and right. trying yeah. our best to understand each other. I think that's a that's a that's never a bad thing, so Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram all the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.